Thanks for listening to a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of After Further Review, coming to you live on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison Student Radio. My name is Alex Schuster, and alongside me is my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, Vincent Hasbrick. Wow. It is a, really a pleasure to be here. That's when I know I'm back in school and things are in full swing is when you bring out the over-the-top introduction for me. But I appreciate it. As, even though I, what I appreciate even more is the fact that we have a special guest today, don't we, Alex? Yes, we do. Uh, a very, very special guest, Garrison Gregory. Is this your first time uh, live on uh WSUM here? It absolutely is, uh, and thank you for having me on. I don't think we're supposed to say this the first time we start. Oh. We were just, it was a prank. He's a pro. Yeah, I'm here every <laughs> No, you're day. awesome. You're super smart. Well, as always, why don't we start out with Rate My Take, or the two of us, or I guess the three of us, mm-hmm. make opinions ahead of time, and we will reveal them to each other and to see uh, what they think of them. So we don't have a coin to flip, but I brought up my notebook. So Garrison, you're going to launch this notebook in the air. Heads or tails, Alex? Uh, heads. All right. It is heads. Would you like to receive or defer? Uh, I'll defer this week. Okay. All right. Well, you probably know what I'm going to talk about this week. I told you, talked to you about it before. So, basically, NBA offseason, it's pretty long. And even though the players and the coaches get off, the media doesn't. So I understand some of their desperation when it comes to getting stories. And as much as they might want to, they cannot stretch out the James Harden and Damian Lillard saga over the course of an entire five-and-a-half-month offseason. So I can imagine them praying to the heavens for a story to talk about, and their God delivered. And it was the Greek God, Giannis Antetokounmpo said not even anything all that crazy, if I'm being honest, just putting some pressure on the organization. Wasn't a ton of stuff, but he did double down on the 48 Minutes podcast later on, and the media took it, and they ran. If you type Giannis and then put in a team, and then the word trade, you will find multiple articles about it. I found literally hundreds of articles about Giannis being traded to other teams. I mean, stuff, different packages, different situations, different returns, different reasons, but they all have one thing in common. They're stupid. It would be a disastrous idea for this team to trade Giannis. Now, I'm not a Bucks history expert, okay? The Bucks that I've grown up watching are pretty competent, which is not something that everyone can say who's a fan. But the way I see it, the Bucks history is irrelevant Kareem, irrelevant Ray Allen, irrelevant Giannis. And you have the superstar. You have this window where you got yourself this guy on your team and you want to get rid of him. It's just so stupid that I'm talking about, in my opinion. But I think it's worth talking about the arguments. And I will say that Brad Botkin of CBS, he wrote a nice article, albeit really frustrating, titled, Giannis Antetokounmpo is giving the Bucks a license to trade him. They should at least consider doing it. Now, this article is basically, I'm not saying the Bucks should trade him, but... And his first argument is, the Bucks are aging quickly and have no real means of replacing Middleton, Holiday, and Lopez with a new core of top-tier support staff. And I'd say, exactly. That's why you keep Giannis. Your window is closing, but it's still open. We have not seen Giannis, Chris Milton, and Drew Holiday, when all three are healthy, lose a playoff series ever. If you go back to the playoff series that they've lost against Miami, the supposed back-breaking, franchise-destroying loss, they didn't have Giannis, and the Heat made the finals. And you go back before they lost to a finals team again in Boston. So we haven't seen this team fall apart. When they're all together, they won the championship, and you want to blow it up now because you think they're too old? 
The teams that win the finals are so often old now. You need that veteran leadership. You look at the Lakers in the bubble. You look at Steph Curry just dragged his big three all the way. I mean, heck, the big three Celtics that won the championship, all three of them were over 30. Kobe had his best solo act when he was like 34 and 33 years old. So the fact this team is too old when your best player is in his prime is ridiculous. But there's another argument, and it's basically saying that you know, the Bucks they have all the leverage right now in a potential Giannis deal. So if they want to jumpstart a rebuild, they get can off, they can get off to a great start by not waiting for him to just give more spicy quotes and demand a trade. With the quote being the Bucks, if they don't trade Giannis, quote, could miss out on what could be the biggest trade return in NBA history only to end up watching Giannis play for someone else anyways. Now, the argument is that, well, if you keep Giannis and then you lose him, you don't get anything back in return. But I'd say you get something pretty valuable in return. You get the best player in the NBA on your team for an extra year. Because even if Drew Holiday's super old or Chris Milton doesn't come back, if Giannis is ready to go, this team has a mathematical chance to win a championship. And you can't tell me they do if they trade him. Now, you could say, well, the Knicks have like 10 billion first-round picks. And I'd say that they're all going to be bad because the Knicks with Giannis are going to be pretty darn good. And you could say, well, they have other picks from other teams. Maybe they could cash in. So I'm thinking, okay. Let's just say that they strike gold and they get the number one overall pick down the road. I went back to the last 10. Actually, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go through the last first overall picks. And I'm going to ask you guys, just yes or no, would you rather have Giannis or this player? Okay? Now think about the durability, the leadership, the ability, the tangibles and the intangibles, everything he's brought. Would you rather have Giannis or this player? And I'll start with you, Alex, and then I guess Garrison. Just yes or no. Wemby. I think this is the only one that's tough, and we just don't know how good he can be yet. So I think down the line, the answer is going to end up being no, just because the threshold Giannis has set yeah, so far is so hard. Because we know Giannis reach. is great, yeah. we don't know for certain if Wemby will be great. But what would you say? Yeah, I can spoil it that I would pick Giannis for any of the first round picks. Within okay, the last but it lets 10 me years. build up some rage if I, you guys all say no <laughs> to it. So would you rather have just yes or no? Would you rather or is Giannis better than? Paolo Blanquero. No. Or, yes, he's better. Okay. Giannis is far better than Paolo Blanquero. Cade Cunningham. Yes, Giannis is better. Yes, Giannis is better. Anthony Edwards. Giannis is better. Giannis, yep. Zion. Giannis. Giannis by Gian- DeAndre Ayton. Giannis. Yep. Markel Fultz. Giannis. Absolutely. Ben Simmons. Giannis. Carl Anthony Towns. Giannis. <laughs> I'm sorry, I skipped you, Garrison. I apologize. I think Giannis is better. Yes. Anthony Wiggins. Giannis. All-star Anthony Wiggins. Anthony Bennett. not as good as Giannis. Okay. Anthony Bennett. I got one more after this one. Obviously Giannis. Over Anthony Bennett. Okay. Glad you agree with that one. I'm going to go ahead and guess that you'd rather have Giannis over Anthony Bennett. Yeah, I would rather have Giannis. Okay. I'm stopping it here. Anthony Davis. Giannis. Giannis. There you go. Anthony Davis is by far the best first-round pick over this stretch. But you could say, well, let's say that they get just the most talented player in the draft class. All right. I brought up the best player in each class. Now, some of these have some margin for error, but I'm pretty confident with who I picked here. So just yes or no. So is Giannis better than them? Yes or no? Wemby. Well, I guess we already did that one. Yeah, that that's a. am leaning yes for now, I think. Okay. But we'll just say Blank Carroll's the I mean, we, we don't know about Blank Carroll and Kate Cunningham. So I'll just start with Anthony Edwards. Is Giannis better? Yes. Yeah. John Morant. Yes. Yeah. Luka Dantich. Yes. He is better, yeah. Jason Tatum. Yes. 
I mean, these are good players. Yeah. Giannis is a bit better. There's There would be scenarios in which Tatum could be better than Giannis, but in terms of a full season, who do you want in the playoffs? Exactly. So I'll even skip to the good ones. In the last 10 years, so I mean, we don't even need to talk about most of these guys. Joel Embiid. See, though, I was thinking of him and Jokic were the two people. It was like the only people that can compete with him for oh, MVP. You really were, you're picking. Well, I'm not going to say they okay. are, but I think those are the only two people that you can reasonably like put in the same conversation. The and I would two. still okay. pick Giannis. Yeah, so I, I don't even need to go through the rest of this because going back, I'd say to Steph Curry and Durant are the two players that you could even make an argument for. You want to pick them over Giannis with this current generation. And you go to Jokic and you're like, well, if it's so easy to get a freak Euro beast, you can just do that whether you have Giannis or not. So you look at the players available, you look at the stash they get back, then what are we doing here? Keep your best player. Your window is open. Stick with Giannis, and your team will be bad eventually. But you know what? When it is, you could raise your head high. You know, when people complain about him, you don't have to show the images of them winning the first championship. You show the image of him holding his second championship instead. Because even if you don't, you can say you tried. Yeah, I, I agree. The, I mean, it's so obvious that it's hard not to give it a 10. I, I, I think it's a 9.5 with the little notch back of, I mean, who as a Bucks fan, would say, yes, we need to trade Giannis. I think that's the craziest take any person from the state of Wisconsin could have right now. Um, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers, that was one thing that people were, like, pushed back against, but he, was, he wasn't in his prime. It, it's yeah. a completely different conversation. Um, and Coming off a bad year, yeah. 39 years old. Not Still, a, I would say, relatively worse team around him compared to this Bucks team. Uh, I mean, that's a little bit of a harder comparison to make, football to basketball. But I, I think the the Bucks ro- roster right now uh, has a better team around their star player than what we were moving off of with Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I was equally frustrated by all these stories. But like we kind of talked about, like you need something to talk about, especially yeah. in the offseason. <laughs> so, um, and there's hundreds, literally hundreds of articles about this. And makes I, me want to rip my hair out. I think it's all from fans who are like a, a New York Knicks fan, let's say, that needs and desperately, desperately wants a player like Giannis. So obviously they're going to do anything they can to try and work the, the trade media machine and try and get the, the narrative out there that, oh, this has to happen and try and maybe speak it into existence a little bit and just say, oh, like maybe if we bring it up enough, it'll actually happen. Awesome. But no. <laughs> I'll take the nine and a half. Garrison. Yeah, this this take is a ten based oh, on the Oh, wow. Fact. That's yeah. our first ten. I think so, right. yeah. 9.9. I stuttered, so it, it has to be like you guys have to be crying emotionally for it to be a ten. Yeah, I, I would say the Bucks would look like the Oklahoma City Thunder if they traded Giannis, where they'd have a lot of picks and a young, like just a random team. Um, at best, they could end up like the Sixers. But the Sixers, of course, show no success when the trust the process. It is a huge risk taking on like a draft pick. And that is just a crazy article that was written that Giannis, he would have the chance, even the chance of Giannis leaving the box. Yeah, see, like especially making a trade right now, like that doesn't guarantee you a number one overall pick, especially when you're trading, giving Giannis on a team. Like I don't want the draft picks from the team that Giannis is on. That is the last team I want the draft picks from. So it makes that like even more difficult on you. So like then you're hoping that your draft pick is going to be as high as possible and then maybe you get like another secondary good player because without Giannis is it's a completely different team. 
Yeah, there's one quote I want to read from the article because this was my favorite by far. Once again, I think Brad Bodkins is a great writer for CBS, but it says if and if they, the Bucks, were to go that route trading Giannis, they would have all these public ultimatums that Giannis has been issuing as a sort of insurance against the PR lashing they would surely receive for trading a player of his caliber in the middle of his prime. And it's like, why would there be a PR problem? Because it's stupid. Yeah. But all right. Well, I took up a ton of time. Alex, why don't you go ahead? Uh, so, I, I mean, mine is another media-related topic of just weekly quarterback rankings should not be a thing, especially not on as a television or radio segment. I think it's one of the dumbest thing people do. Of after every week of football, you watch all the games and you think that this is drastically going to change where these quarterbacks are seated. I mean, like, you're have like matchups uh, you play a good team one week bad team the next week you can have huge volatility between your performances and then it shows up in these rankings where suddenly a guy is jumping from a top 20 quarterback to oh is he is he just outside of that top 10 <laughs> and then then the very next week he's right back down to 20 nobody really cares about that 15 to 32 quarterbacks in the NFL and that's where all the volatility is in the, in these rankings and you get the pyramids going and all this stuff and it, it makes somewhat of a, an interesting visual but nobody wants to sit and wait for you to go through five minutes of let me break down every single one of these 32 quarterbacks and tell you what I think of them and how they played last week and then do it all over again the next week it, there shouldn't be that much change week to week for these type of rankings and it, it's just one of my least favorite things to see yeah, that take is a solid eight or nine. Um, I guess they're they're fun to look at, but of course they're flawed in many ways, such as they're just super duper subjective. A quarterback, let's say Jordan Love, he plays in a monsoon, and of course he's not going to put up great stats. They might move him down in the quarterback list because he doesn't put up great stats. Uh, you just don't know with these sources. It's probably just one guy sitting at his computer just placing quarterbacks, making graphics. Yeah, they're they're kind. They're just taken with a massive grain of salt and i get it if you're trying to make the joke but at the end of it it always comes down to mahomes is the best quarterback in the nfl and like so what are we getting out of this it's the exact same thing you told me last week all you did was move zach wilson down six slots behind a bunch (laughs) of backup quarterbacks to insult him a little bit haha funny joke but you could have just said that anyways like you could have said that i don't think zach wilson's a starter in the nfl or i think patrick mahomes is the best quarterback in the nfl okay like they're, they're adding almost nothing new here each week outside of a little bit of analysis of this guy played a really good defense, so he's bad. Yeah, I, I'll give you the eight. The only reason I'll give it a 10 is because I believe you're alluding to FS1's First Things First. Yep. Yeah. Now, I love the show, but oh, yeah, it's me too. one of my least favorite segments. Yeah, Chris Wilds is my favorite media member uh, for the NFL. I, I will defend him as in, I mean, we have a show once a week, and we sometimes, no, we don't struggle to f- fill the slot, but... We had a two-hour show last year, and we actually struggled with that, even though, I mean, these guys have a show every single day that had to fill up. But the fact that the segment is literally called Mahomes Mountain makes me <laughs> mad. Because like, Dak Prescott gets moved down. It's like, oh, so we had this whole debate over four years over if he's the guy or not, but that one game and that one bad throw he had, oh, that basically seals the deal. we got to send him down some notches. So overall, totally agree. So, good stuff. Yeah. I think we're doing off to a good start here. Garrison, the pressure is on. All right. This take needs a little bit of context. Last Wednesday, 7.30 a.m., student tickets come out for the basketball team. Um, how this works, you go into a virtual queue, and you just hope 
that you can finally get in that ticket site and get season tickets. Now, I was sitting there in the queue, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting. After 13 minutes, I get in, I try to click on the tickets, and they're all sold out. The tickets, I looked on, uh, they're being posted around the media, that 2,100 student tickets were sold out in nine minutes. Not 30 minutes, not 20 minutes, not 10 minutes, nine minutes. 2,100 tickets gone. And just to show how, how short that time frame is, let me just list some things that take nine minutes. Besides me giving my take. Yes. <laughs> Folding a load of laundry. Taking a shower. An average Greg Gard offensive possession for, <laughs> for the basketball. Takes, feels like it takes around nine minutes. Boiling a pot of water. A commercial break during a college football game feels like nine minutes. Thawing out and cooking frozen chicken. And the amount of time it took Bears fans to turn against Justin Fields takes around nine minutes. That's and so on. Pretty short amount of time, you're mm-hmm. saying. So here's my take, and I don't, I'm not expecting to get high points on this one. Students need to take a placement exam to determine priority for student <laughs> tickets. So the, so the biggest fans get the tickets over like people like resellers, in which I've seen people post their season tickets to the uh, UW-Madison Snapchat story, trying to flip them, and then, of course, scalpers. Uh, what do you think about that take? And should it be ref- maybe a refined version of that? So uh, you, like, Madison sports history knowledge test uh, in the waiting room, and the better score you get, the higher priority you have? Yeah, that would be awesome. Imagine the Quizlets that you got to study oh, for in order to oh. do that. I th- honestly, I, I don't hate the idea. Me I do neither. think it would be really funny because there's so many games where, like, part of the fun of being in the student section is hearing, like, the conversation three rows behind you that you don't even want to listen to, but they're just talking loud enough that you're kind of forced to hear it and realizing that these people have absolutely no idea what they're talking about while they're watching a game. And it does pr- provide a little bit of entertainment, but at the same time, I'd rather have someone in there that's actively watching the game. So... I'm I'm gonna give that a solid seven. I I don't think it is actually applicable. Like it, it's gonna be hard to implement. Uh, but honestly, it is a, a pretty good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not obviously saying that we should do a like a bring everybody into like the field house or Camp Randall, get out their Scantron tests right after but, you finish your ACT. You gotta take the yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta decide. You're gonna Sports study for the ACT test. or study for the the Badgers football test. <laughs> but the fact that you can make something resembling an argument for that really goes to show just how messed up the the student ticket process is right now. Now it's great that there is such a high demand, but to your point, I know a lot of people who. They buy it, then they just make profit off of selling the ticket every single year. So, I I'll, yeah. I'll give you a, I'll give you an eight because that got a very big laugh out of me. You saying <laughs> that? But Thank you. Good stuff, Garrison. I really enjoyed that. All right. Yeah. Awesome. With that, we'll send it to uh, what's it called? Uh, Badger Sports Update. Sure. All right. Uh, we'll get it, uh, things kicked off with soccer. Uh, the men's soccer team continues their exciting season with a 1-0 win over Maryland, uh, moving them to 4-2 and 3 on the season and 1-0 and 2 in conference play. They'll try to keep the momentum going this Sunday as they play Ann Arbor, uh, play in Ann Arbor against the Wolverines, uh, fresh off an exciting 1-0 win over the Hawkeyes. Uh, in women's soccer, the team lost 1-0 at home against Michigan State. Um, 
and the loss dropped them to six two and three on the year and one one and one in conference play. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did try and write something in there, trying to get you to read it on air, but you were eagle-eyed and caught it. Uh, it's been, you know, it was a really disappointing loss. Uh, going from such a high of beating Iowa to losing to Michigan State. Not that Michigan State's a bad team, but still, I'm excited to see the rest of the year. I mean, improvement for both teams across the board. Well, I'll jump into volleyball then. The number one ranked Wisconsin volleyball team opened conference play last weekend with matches against Northwestern Indiana. Bucky put the hurt on his Big Ten counterparts by not just winning every game, but also every set. Now, Wisconsin, they've had a couple holes in their game this year, but the fact that we're kind of nitpicking at an undefeated team goes to show just how great they are. Now, there's one thing I want your guys' opinion on, because I got in a heated debate. I was there at the volleyball game announcing it for WSUM, and I got in a pretty big argument with my partner. Now, I decided to make a sign... And I put, Dear Madison, what's this volleyball thing people are talking about? Sincerely, the announcers. And I kept holding it up during every sign break, but my friend was not necessarily a big fan of that. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know if I understand the joke, to be honest. Okay, well, that clearly is. Well, with that, Garrison, why don't you jump to football? Yeah, so here are some of the notes that I took from watching the football game. Well, first of all, uh, it was kind of more the same for the Badgers, but they won. So keep that into context, any critique I have. Well, the Badgers managed to look like both an FCS team and a college football playoff team within the course of a game. So their secondary played really well against a school that is known to produce great talent at the wide receiver position. But at the same time, it seemed like when Purdue just did halfback draw plays, they were getting 10 yards at a time, 15 yards at a time. Uh, Our run defense just got torn apart. Um, The offensive line uh, did much better, showed a lot of improvement, uh, kept um, our quarterback Mordecai pretty safe in the pocket. Mordecai, he scrambled a lot more, which was an incredible improvement from watching this all the non-conference games where he really liked to stay in the pocket. He absolutely should be scrambling more. The Badgers ran a Philly special on a two-point conversion, which is just an incredible play, well thought out, well written up. That's one of those back-of-the-playbooks, let's-run-it type ones. And it was very interesting that they ran it against Purdue. And maybe they they didn't think they would have a chance another time. But imagine them running that against a team like Ohio State in prime time. Oh, I hope they have some more trick plays now that that one worked out so well. Uh, Ch- yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Ches Malusi's injury a little bit? Uh, yeah, so... Uh- Ches Malusi went down uh, with a season-ending injury, a really unfortunate loss uh, for the Badgers' run game. Malusi had been uh, pretty close. The lead back, if not... Certainly right, the first game. Yeah. Um, he's been right up there, a key part of the one-two punch uh, for our running game. And uh, it's just going to mean that Braylon Allen's going to have to step up, put a lot more pressure on him uh, to handle uh, the offensive load there. Yeah, so what our discussion is, I'm really excited to hear your opinion on this, Garrison. They, it was not a good-looking injury to Chesma Lucy. And it, it hurt to watch, then it double hurt to watch because we got to see the extent of it. Uh, it was basically, I mean, his, his ankle and his leg was at like a 90-degree angle, basically. It, it really stunk to watch. And the broadcast showed, I think just once, I'm not, I'm not sure they did. Sure. They showed it. They did show it, and I know that because I was looking down, and when they said, "Ooh, I can't show that again," I looked up 
thinking I could see it again, but no, I did not see it again. I did not go out of my way to look it up. I'm not a fan of watching gruesome injuries like that. I I, I didn't want to watch the Nick Chubb injury. I might have, I've only seen like pictures of it, but injuries aren't really something I go out of my way to look for. Yeah. So this is kind of leads to our, because the Fox, I think ESPN, I think caught a little bit of fire for not showing the Nick Chubb injury at first. And people are saying, well, I mean, it's clearly pretty brutal. Do you think that they should show brutal injuries or do you think it's, it's okay if they leave that part out? I think it, it's just a good idea to leave that out. I mean, nobody wants to see someone have like a career life-changing injury happen um, and just broadcast that in front of millions of people, especially when it's a gruesome injury. I mean, if there's like a light tap and you're trying to figure out what could have possibly happened, I understand wanting to see it, but then at the same time, you got to understand that in some of those like more gruesome situations, you're going to see someone's leg go at an extremely unnatural angle in slow motion. And uh, personally, I find that disgusting and, and I'd rather not see it. I know there's uh, some people who find those videos entertaining for whatever reason. I think they're sickos <laughs> and uh, they should just go find it somewhere else other than uh, live television. Yeah, there's definitely a humanity aspect behind this. Of course, uh, the family of players and their extended family, they all, they're watching the TV, watching the people that they've known their whole lives. And for the TV to play something like that is not something I'd really want to see, especially if somebody I know really closely, like a family member or an extended family, uh, gets injured really badly like that. Um, yeah, I'd rather keep it how they're doing right now where they just kind of viewer discretion, not viewer discretion, but they could see it if they want to look for it, but they can hold it off during the broadcast. I understand, like, I mean, hometown friends and family members and people not able to attend the game in person wanting to get, like, updates if they're watching live, but I I think you can do a verbal update without showing, hey, yeah, this is definitely not very good, and it leads more room for overreactions. Like, many people thought that, uh, like, Nick Chubb's knee, like, he would have torn all these ligaments or all this speculation about what kind of injury he had, and then it comes out uh, that, was it the MCL? Yeah. Just an MCL. Which, Which, I mean... Yeah, you never want to say just an MCL, yeah. but that's, it's okay, very yeah. fortunate. It is. It's very, yeah. very fortunate. Yes. Awesome. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. One thing I want you mentioned the Badgers' poor run defense, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I want to give a stat really quick. Purdue went in the game; they were, I believe, in the bottom, or they were ranked below 100 in yards per carry on the season. Their running backs, not the team, their running backs, averaged 4.1 yards per carry. 6.5 yards per, or 6.3 yards per carry against Wisconsin. So something to look out for. I know Mike Tressel loves his uh, 3-3-5 defense to stop the pass, but a little concerning. Could be something that rears its ugly head later on in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they were probably trying to stop the Purdue pass game so much that you kind of have to be a little weak on that run game. So it's 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 a balancing act and if they hopefully they address it in this up, upcoming game yeah uh, they'll be taking on Rutgers this weekend at home I believe they have a bye this weekend oh they do yeah oh next weekend yeah. sorry excuse me uh, so this is a, a little bit of a reshuffling of a, a segment we had in the past uh, well, why don't we take a quick break actually? oh that would be a great idea thank you Vince uh, so thank you guys all for listening we're gonna take a quick break for some very important messages and then we'll be right back
Hey, Jay, what are you doing? I'm going to walk. But, Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. I'm going to walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. <gasps> he really put the L in walk. Let's not be like our ex-friend Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember... You can't walk if you're hit by a car. Tennis will be performing alongside Sam Evian at the Majestic Theater on Friday, October 20th. This wife and husband duo combines the melancholy romance of 1950s pops music with summery 70s rock. Doors open at 7 p.m. and the show starts at 8. This is an all-ages show. That's Tennis at the Majestic Theater, October 20th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. You are listening to After Further Review on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. My name is Alexander Schuster, and I am here with Vincent Hesburgh and Garrison Garrett. Uh... Gregory. Gregory. Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> no problem. I'm sorry. I've been called uh, many things throughout my your, life. This is your initiation process. Yeah. Oh, We're for gonna sure. Haze you a little bit. <laughs> no problem. I, I totally did that on purpose. I, <laughs> uh, not just a typo on my end. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to be shuffling around a, a r- former regular segment. Uh, kind of didn't love the ups and downs of it so we're going to shift it around and just have a laundry list we watch a lot of sports we like to have a few things to get off on our chest uh and a a little less formatted segment so uh i'll start us off with uh just talking about formula one this weekend uh mclaren got a double podium at the japanese grand prix something really excited for uh for me as a fan uh to see them just trending in the right direction oscar piastri their rookie driver uh first time uh on a podium uh, this season and in, uh, in Formula One. So really exciting to see that. And then just a, a really weird thing that I'd never heard of was the trophies at the, at this race had a, a kiss activation. So if the driver kisses the trophy, it lights up in their country's colors. Uh, and apparently like your lip imprint is just as unique as a fingerprint so they had all the drivers lip prints and then if they kiss the trophy it will light up in their country's flags i was not a fan of it i thought it was one of the weirdest things i've ever seen um i don't know if that's gonna be something that's gonna be catching on maybe put that on the lombardi trophy kiss activated <laughs> but uh yeah just something bizarre to, to for the fans to think about so, so what these race car drivers when they're making a lip imprint do they stand up and like lip imprint a wall or do they bend over and lip imprint a table? <laughs> How would they do that? I have no idea. That honestly that is what I should have come here. That's the information That's a good I need to grab. How they see cuz I all they said was they got a limp lip imprint from every single driver. How they did it, I wasn't clear about. I wonder if it's similar to getting like a like fingerprint where they just got to put like ink on your mouth and get the little imprint on a piece of paper or something. But I'm, 
they got to do some kissing to get it. So yeah, I'm gonna refrain from <laughs> jokes. Um, I, I got a couple in my head though. But, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I should I should stop. I will say I think that I, I like the idea of somewhat gimmicky trophies. I, I like the cheese it bowl quite a bit. They just fill it up with literal cheese its, and players are eating out of it. That's a bowl game, but this is way too far. Yeah, it just. I don't know who came up with that. I mean, everyone does kiss. Like, that is a normal thing to, like, kiss the trophy. Um, but having it, like, I think it would have been more fun to have it just be a surprise. Like, oh, look, the trophy's lighting up now. Like, nobody knew this was going to happen. Rather than, like, going everywhere and talking about this kiss <laughs> activation. Like, they were very clear that that's what it was called. Of Like, they put a little sticker on it and everything that says kiss me. Uh, <laughs> oh just geez. very unique idea. Wow. Well, thanks for bringing this to our attention. Can't wait to edit this part out. (laughs) The internet. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to jump ahead now. Go ahead, Vince. Uh, Now, I love chess. All right, I've been playing it for a long time, and that doesn't make me smart. It makes me stupid because I put so much emotional impact into a game that's pretty easy to learn. Now, I play a lot of my friends, and most of them haven't been playing chess as long as I have, so I usually have some success. They learn something about the game. That way, when they hop back online on chess.com, they've got some basic strategy they can follow, some some philosophies. Except there's one friend who plays me over and over again, does not get better, and keeps insisting that he will beat me, that this will be the time. And just for the record, this is not Cousin George. You're awesome. You're playing a great game right now. But this friend knows who they are over and over again. Now, there is a period where I did not play chess this summer. I had to completely detox myself from it. And this person texted me when college started. They said, hey, you know, I got this new move, and I think you're going down. So I was like, okay. Well, I mean, I was a little spooked. And this dude tries to four-move checkmate against me. Now, I don't know if for, for our non-chess fans, that's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to beat someone in a boxing match, and then lowering your guard and saying, hey, what's that behind you? And hoping that they turn around and you sucker punch them. But anyone who's boxed before knows if someone's laying your guard down, you just punch them in the face and win the match. Now, I had a good laugh at their expense, but then afterwards, you know, I thought about, it's like they've never had any success before in chess. It's been a long time, so... You know, they haven't. They don't know how to feel about stuff. They had hope, but they never. They don't know when to have hope. They never had that success. This is the relationship between the Packers and the Bears. All right, the Bears thought they had something on the Packers with their little rinky-dink screen passes, and they had hope, even though they have ignored the last decades of Packer-Bears rivalry. And you know, I I thought it was very funny the reaction after the Packers beat the Bears. But when I see the stuff that's happened afterwards, the throwing of Justin Fields under the bus, Justin Fields perhaps, depending on your viewpoint, calling out his coaches, then seeing their defensive coordinator quit, and then playing a game against the Chiefs that was supposed to be their coming out party, wind up switching to a different game halfway through because it was so bad. So to Bears fans, I just want to say that I feel bad for you, and I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, but not as sorry as you guys are. <laughs> and now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just a, I, I think that deserves a round of applause. Thank that, you. That was a great, just a great bit right there. I appreciate it. Now, to my second point here, the Marlins are in the thick of a major playoff hunt right now. This is a team that has not made the playoffs outside of the 2020 season in quite some time. And they were getting all hyped up for their home matchup against the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, they had, like, the towels. I think they had, like, playoff messages, like, win and get in. They were really hyping everybody up. The Bucks took or not, the Brewers took three of four against the Marlins when they were at home. Except you could say, well, guess what? 
you're in the fishbowl now. You're going to deal with us here. Brewers game one, 12 runs in the second inning, annihilated them so bad. There was a point where it was 10. They scored 10 runs in the inning, and the announcer was saying, my goodness, this is unprecedented. And then Christian Yelich had a two-run homer after that. And just to add insult to injury, the or the Brewers are winning by so much, they had Rowdy Tellez pitch, and you're nodding your head. You saw this. Yeah, that was the highlight of the season, I Oh, believe. yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. I mean, what did he do? He, he put both fists in his air, and he just, just said, victory. After and doing what? <laughs> just throwing a, whatever, 50-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle, and guys, I don't know, was it a swing and a miss, or yeah, did he, he freeze them? Yeah, he got a strikeout. Swing and a miss, okay. whiff, and That's... then arms in the air, a celebration. So uh, I, I think that, you know, the Brewers, they lost their last two games to the Marlins, but they did this on purpose because the Marlins are in a race with the Cubs, and it's neck and neck right now. So the Brewers, they just want to prove to the Marlins that they are, you know, the Marlins don't, they're just not on the same level as the Brewers. And then they kind of said, hey, look, we're going to make the playoffs no matter what, and we've clinched a three seed. We're going to throw these next two games and help you guys out. So bravo to the Brewers for playing 4D chess. I appreciate that. And with that, Garrison, it's your turn. First of all, I'd like to just jump on what you were saying earlier. So, like, well, just a second ago. Yeah, I, I don't want to see the Brewers play the Cubs just in case they do end up getting beaten because the Instagram stories and all the Cubs fans will be littered with Cubs win, Brewers lose, because that's been going on this whole summer. Cubs haven't been doing so hot, so their stories have been pretty quiet, which is nice. And then for the chess, was that chess move you're talking about, the scholar's mate? Yeah, also called fool's mate because gotcha. you have to be a fool to fall for it. Right. Are so, you a chess guy? Well, I know a little bit about okay. it. I was going to say, did your opponent, was he like, can I please play white? Can I please start? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, so then you would instantly know what he's trying to do then yeah. because it can only work as a first move. Well, my expectation thing. was so high. I was like, I wonder if he's going to try like the Smith Mora gambit or something. Yeah, but just, a, just a complicated nope. gambit and then <laughs> play a, a perfect mid game. <laughs> but I don't know with, with these types of opponents. I, I, I officially retired from chess a couple months ago and Good I haven't you. looked back. All right. So for my little segment, I'm taking it to London, England, where Tottenham Hotspur played Arsenal in the North London Derby. This is a huge deal in England and the Premier League. And so they both tied 2-2. And this feels like a win for Tottenham as Arsenal was incredible last year. And well, they didn't win, which is kind of funny. But Tottenham it shows that they, they caught up to Arsenal as a club. Um, Son, of course, our captain had, well, not our, but Tottenham's captain. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, if you can't tell already. He had two goals, and it could have been, the Tottenham could have scored even more if the Arsenal goalkeeper was worse than he actually was, which he was elite. He, he had incredible saves and big props to him. So, yeah, that's just about it for... Me in the Premier League, a couple interesting things I have in the Premier League, but we can move on. Awesome. I appreciate that perspective, though. Uh, go uh, Tottenham? Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Awesome. The Spurs. <laughs> Should we hop over to our Let's Packer do it, Alex. So, um, we would, you want to get us started here, Vince? Sure. Well, I'll quick introduce the segment. So, we each came up with three players in the Packer game that we want to give a grade to. Um, so I guess it's pretty self-explanatory. We all start off with Jordan Love. Now, last week I said that, you know, Jordan Love, he's had some great numbers, and we haven't really seen, like, the wow, though, 
from him. And I said, I'd rather have a guy who, you know, puts up these steady numbers but nothing super incredible than have a guy who's like, oh, yeah, he threw four interceptions, but boy, look at that play. But then Sunday happened, and I'm starting to change my mind a little bit because Jordan Love was not good. 22 of 44, 260 yards, good for a 66 passer rating. But just saying, he had two plays that had me going pretty crazy. First off, fourth and goal, one-on-one against DeMario Davis. I mean, that's just like easy money for the Saints. But somehow Jordan Love, a quarterback, completely fakes the heck out of Davis. That was incredible to see. And then the gutsy Matt LaFour moved to go for two and cut it to a six-point game. It wound up mattering quite a bit in the end. I mean, I thought Love was for sure getting sacked there, stepping up in the pocket, and then all of a sudden he turns, zips it, for the two-point conversion. And what was so crazy about that is that the reason why he was open is because Marshawn Lattimore didn't think that Jordan Love, like he just gave up on the play because he thought there was no chance that this guy was going to be able to turn and throw it. So he lets his guard down. Jordan Love takes off. Quick lance, boom, and I was going crazy. So, you know, stats not great, but 17 or 18 points fourth quarter, I got to give him the A- minus on this one. See, I had the same problem last week where he had – I think he had better stats last week. He was Certainly. really, yeah, great numbers. But then right at the end of the game, he couldn't carry it across that finish line. And then in this game, he was there to carry it across the finish line, but we just didn't see it leading up until that point. So I gave him a B-plus for that. I I think he is good enough now where, like, I have an unrealistic expectation for him. Where, like, I have bought into the Jordan Love hype. I think he's going to be our quarterback for at least the next two, three years to come, and hopefully we can build around him. But now it's one of those positions where I know Daniel Jones got a lot of hate of, like, oh, he needs to be better, he needs to be better. But I, I kind of buy into that. Like, the, the quarterback needs to be elevating the team rather than having the team around him elevate him and uh that's kind of where i'm at for jordan love of just hoping that he he can keep progressing keep seeing and learning new things as he develops in the nfl and keep growing from here and just getting a more consistent game from start to finish yeah love had quite a very interesting game so he he did miss a lot of balls in the beginning of the first half including the the Luke Musgrave play where he overthrew Um, he overthrew a couple other ones but like you said uh, Vince on that two-point conversion play that is something you can't teach that is complete love being awareness vision knowing where his receivers are where he's rolling up in the pocket not many quarterbacks would think to look left in that corner of the end zone to where Samari Toure was. Samari Toure wasn't even open. Jordan Love threw Samari Toure open to the left side, and he caught it. And then the other just incredible play by Love was the back shoulder fade to Romeo Dobbs on our on the final touchdown. That was a beautiful ball by Jordan Love. So there was a lot of good things to take from that game there are a lot of bad things that got overshadowed by the fact that we came back so much but that's a big confidence booster for love and confidence is key right now for a young quarterback yeah i mean this is a saints defense that hasn't allowed um over 20 points since i think it was like november of last year so there were definitely some missed throws but you just take a step back you see a guy who won a game despite the missing pieces which we'll talk about i'm pretty impressed so i'll jump into my second grade here Rashawn Gary gets the A. Incredible performance from him. You know, we haven't, he's been certainly good this year, but we haven't seen that breakout vintage Rashawn Gary performance that we know he's capable of. So just seeing him coming off of an injury, and I mean, he's why they won the game, in my opinion. They, they shut down 
that Saints offense. And when Jameis Winston came in, he was just under duress the entire time. So credit to him. He gets the A. Uh, yeah, I had uh, Quay Walker for my second ranking. I think I might just put him on here every week because he's he's, fun. Be- he's becoming one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, he a decent game today. I th- I think I got to upgrade him to a B rather than a B minus, which I had him on my notes here. I mean, that's a little bit of a bias uptick for him there, but um, just his performances through the first two weeks leave me just setting the bar so high for him that uh, it was a little bit of a step back this week, but still a good performance. I would like to shout out former first-round pick Darnell Savage for having a, a great game above expectation today, which earns him a B plus. Uh, he wasn't, at, by all means, all pro, but he did the job. He had pass breakups. He had an incredible tackle on special teams that uh, brought down the kicker turner on the 15. So he was getting it done special teams, and he was out there on defense. Great job, Darnell Savage. Awesome. Yeah, it's one of, the only, one of the only positive things you can say about the special teams yesterday. That's but true. Darnell Savage was a good part of it, to your point. Now, for my final grade, I got Luke Musgrave. Packers have kind of struggled with tight end over the year since Jermichael Finley. I mean, Richard Rodgers had a top five play in Packers history. But outside of that, I don't think he's been incredible. And then you look at Martellus Bennett was a disaster. We had a Tunyon year. Yeah, Tunyon year. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Graham. But I think that we've got ourselves something special in Luke Musgrave. Now, he just seems like such an elite route runner. He seems like perfect in that Matt LaFleur offense. He led the team with six catches on the day. And it's just he also seems like a pretty serviceable run blocker as well. So he seems like the a really balanced player. And he's a rookie. So, really excited to see how he does the rest of the year. Right now, A-. minus. Yeah. I had uh, Keyshawn Nixon as uh, my final grade. I gave him also a B. uh, Solid player. Didn't miss any tackles. Had a few pass breakups. And really becoming a a little more of a a bright spot on our defense. uh, Has struggled a lot in recent years. So, hopefully, kind of leading us in the right direction with some of those other young players. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll talk about the Packers receiving core. Super duper young. Um, I feel like in the league, I believe. Yes, absolutely. I feel like if the Packers still had Rodgers, the media would destroy Brian Gutekinds and our <laughs> coaching staff for not giving him quote unquote weapons. However, they proved that they are formidable even without Christian Watson, our deep play threat. Uh, for example, Jaden Reed, I'll give him a B plus. He had a couple strange drops. It was a one or two. One was in the end zone. It should have been caught, but he can. He proved that he can get open. He is the best slot receiver we've seen since Cobb. Um, well, who was that Clemson receiver that we drafted? Amari Rogers. He is what we thought Amari Rogers would be. <laughs> And Dontavian Wicks, very obscure player that we drafted. I'm pretty sure he is a rookie, too. Yep. He he was playing. He was getting catches. Uh, even Malik Heath was out there. That He is undrafted out of Ole Miss. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, of course, just had an incredible game. So big ups to the wide receiver core of the Packers. And then I'll just quickly shout out Rudy Ford, the safety, who led the team in tackles. He is not a star recognized as a star by all means but he really showed up this game and he had a crucial pass breakup to end the game so great job rudy ford i'm giving him an a awesome now before we get to our final segment which i'm very excited for uh, we might have to do like two of each of us yeah. but i just want to say that 
You know, my biggest gripe on football, there's not many of them, is that when there's only 17 regular season games, you can't really build that connection with the players that you do with basketball and baseball, where I see the Brewers as protagonists more than a team. The Bucks are such a lovable group, and you don't really get that when you have such a small sample size. But seeing Matt LaFleur crying after the game, talking to the media, and seeing this team go crazy when Jordan Love was given the offensive game ball, that was pretty sweet. Definitely. All right, so should we get down uh, to the last segment here? So excited. All right, so we have October reactions as we get to the end of September into October. The first month of football is creeping behind us, and we want to go through some of our biggest overreactions and decide are they overreactions or are we a little bit more down to earth? I love that pun you did there. <laughs> I feel like we, we, we should be owing to the people to explain what the, we're going to do. All right. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to explain the, the chart there? Sure. So, so we're coming with, we were coming up with a measure for hot to cold. We decided to go with layers of the earth. <laughs> I don't know. What Geology, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for the coldest take, it is out of space, then mesosphere. An average take is considered crust. Then you get warmer with the mantle, and finally, the hot overreaction is core. And with that, kick it off, Alex. All right, so my first uh, oct overreaction is the Cowboys will never win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. Hmm. I'll, I, I understand it, because we're in a day of age where you need to have that quarterback, or at least have a guy who can become that quarterback Deck hasn't shown that. That being said, never is a strong word. I'll give you a mantle on this one. <laughs> I, I think the Cowboys, I don't think Dak is the problem on the Cowboys team if they were to lose, like, in terms of a good playoff game. I think Dak Prescott could be a Super Bowl quarterback. Um, I'll just give it a good old crust. <laughs> uh, should I double I'll, up? I'll on? go ahead. Okay, yeah. Go space it out. My take, Vikings should tank. They're 0-3 on the year, virtually out of the playoff race, especially with their schedule. So if I'm the Vikings, I'm dumping Kirk Cousins as fast as possible. I'm going Shea Gilgis-Alexander Moe with Justin Jefferson saying, hey, he's got a hangnail, he can't play this week, and just keep it going so that way you can keep losing games. And that way you have a chance, not even if you get Caleb Williams, which I think is legitimately in the cards for this team, but just to get one of the many quarterbacks. I think it's time for Minnesota to throw in the towel and do it stat. I think this is out of space. I think you're correct with this one. I mean, oh, I think they make it core. No, oh, oh, sorry, wait. core. I oh, thought core is hot take. Or oh gosh, we, may, take, we confuse ourselves. Oh, All right, no. I, I, I'll go core. I, okay. I, I think I think you're right here. I, I think you're like the Vikings. They've been a good team. There is a lot of regression this year, and I think it's what we should have expected to see from them last year. The expectations got set way too high just because they won a lot of really close games. Their point differential wasn't very good. Their defense is absolutely atrocious. They do have really great players like Justin Jefferson. It's hard to have a talent like that on your roster and still say, hey, we need to like not even try and win here. But that's kind of the spot that they're at. They just don't have the right team around them, and trading away future assets to try and win now isn't the mode that they should be in. It should be more of a regrouping and trying to stay, maybe not a full tank, because, I, I mean, it would be nice for them to get Caleb Williams, but I, I think they just need extra talented pieces, maybe not a, a complete new quarterback. Okay. 
The reason why I disagree with this take is because it is hard telling a player or a coach to lose games. Imagine going up to Justin Jefferson and saying, please lose the game for me. I think the Vikings have too good of a team to lose that many games. There are f- other teams, uh, Broncos, uh, Bears, that can lose way more efficiently and effectively than the Vikings. I think the Vikings will just be a middling pretty much even record team i do not think they're bad enough to tank and who knows maybe they will turn it around which i do think they have the weapons offensively to turn it around so are you saying my head is in out of space right now i'll give you the mesosphere okay (laughs) (laughs) all right i will go with my take now this packers team it's fresh it's new it's fun to watch I think this Packers team will make a 2010-2011-esque playoff run where they'll walk in as probably not the best team in the, in the NFC. The, the Eagles have a great team. The 49ers have a great team. But they will win games down the stretch with a young quarterback. I think Rodgers was still considered young way back when he won the Super Bowl, and Love is still considered young right now. What do you guys think? I think this is... Out of space. I, I think they are a playoff team, but I don't think the expectation should be to see a playoff run. I mean, normally, I think you need either like playoff experience around that quarterback or within your quarterback to make the run. You need it somewhere on your roster, and we don't really have that anywhere. So I think that's something that we can develop in the next couple years to try and make one of those runs. But I don't think we should expect that this year or even next year. Yeah, I'll speed it up. Until I, I'll see it when I believe it when it comes to Matt LaFleur beating Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs. 100%. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, pick it up here. Alex? So this might have to be the last one here as we're running out of time. But We, we uh, can each do one more. Yeah, rapid fire yeah, here. I, don't, uh, I really don't care the, about this next show coming up. So, so my take is that the Bears should liquidate uh, their franchise and restart as an expansion team. I think that's very funny. I'm going to give you crust because they're, they got their pick and the Panthers pick. Caleb Williams could play in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the idea is more just this team is going absolutely nowhere, and if they could, they should cut all 52 players and just start from <laughs> scratch. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Memphis Grizzlies, and you get a Memphis team, Memphis Bears. Boom, they're, they're, they're like little <laughs> twins. Awesome. So, my real quick, Broncos got worse. Um, now, they were a complete dumpster fire last year to the point that Sean Payton's literally calling out the opposing coach after he got fired. But they just lost by 50 points. Best parts that Russell Wilson hasn't even looked that bad. So they're just atrocious right now. Worse than last year. Yeah, last year the struggles were the offense. This year it's the defense. And, I mean, 70 points in one game is absurd. Like, absolutely inexcusable. Yep, I agree. Big changes need to happen in and, Denver. And Garrison. Uh, don't, don't do your conspiracy theory one. No, I know. I'll, <laughs> just, I'll just say Anthony Richardson looks better than Justin Fields right now. Or, well, he was hurt week three, but week one and two, he has a scrambling ability, and he has shown that he could make the throwing ability better than Justin Fields has proved that he can't throw. I, I, mean, I think this is crust. Like a fact. Yeah. yeah. All this, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, like, it, plainly it is true. I mean, and, like, the assets and, like, the physicality of Richardson, I, I think he has a better be- build than Fields. And honestly, I, I do think he'll be a better quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, Garrison, thank you so much for coming on. This yeah. was a crusty take. It was great <laughs> being on here. Thank you so much. All right, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, this was After Further Review on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison.